0: Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, Questions, the Beginnings of Faith. A few weeks ago we celebrated Christmas, but what were we really celebrating? A charming story about babies and animals, or something far deeper than we realize? Join us for the message Who is Jesus and why should I care? First of all, I am not Pastor Jane. I'm Kimberly Simpson. But um, I do want to welcome you all this morning, and I do want to just give you some information. Pastor Jane is in traffic. Unfortunately, there was a four-car wreck on 35, um, and she is in standstill traffic so she more than likely will not make the beginning of our service so i just want to first of all let's lift the people up in prayer who are involved in the four car crash we don't know what's going on but definitely want to lift those individuals up in um, in prayer
1: and now the scripture that pastor has chosen for us is the story of jesus meeting the samaritan woman at the well found in the gospel of john chapter 4 Starting with the third verse, Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city named Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was around noon. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir! Give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What, have, what, ha, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, the Father, sorry, the hour is now and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit And truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am. He, the one who you is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came and they were astonished he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Many of the Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is truly the savior of the world the word of God for the people of God, be to God. I was reading as slowly as I could and I was singing as slowly as I was could because I kept on saying come on lord Let's get Pastor Jane here. <laughs> but she has asked me very graciously to read her sermon. And I promise you that I will do the very best that I can. Lord, let the words of our of my mouth and the thoughts in my heart be acceptable in your sight. I strengthen my Redeemer. Amen. One of the most mundane, day-to-day activities in which almost all of us participate is grocery shopping. (laughs) We can almost do it without thinking about it. We find a parking spot, go to a cart, peruse the aisles, and sometimes we have a list. Sometimes we just look for what's on sale. Sometimes we just go down each aisle, and then whatever looks good, we put in our cart. Occasionally, we may see someone we know, maybe even a friend. Perhaps we stop to visit, and other times we just give a friendly wave. And sometimes we back up and go the other way, hoping that they never saw us. (laughs) I see you've had some encounters like that. Now, imagine that you're pushing your cart down the aisle, And you just picked out your favorite breakfast cereal and you turn the corner and right there in front of you is Jesus. He's right there shopping just like you. You can't believe that it really is Jesus, of course, but but there's no mistaking that beard, that long robe, the sandals, and then, of course, there's the halo. It's got to be Jesus. (laughs) But then you wonder, Hmm, why is Jesus in the wine section trying to pick out a nice bottle? (laughs) But then you see the fresh uh, baked loaf of bread in his basket, and it all makes sense. Obviously, Jesus is hosting a supper, too, just like you. But you do wonder why he would be buying wine. Wouldn't it be cheaper to use just a case of bottled wine than to get this kind of wine? But now that you've spotted Jesus, what do you do? Do you quietly walk away backwards, hoping that he didn't see you? Do you run up and give him a big hug? Do you shyly come forward to say, hello? Do you try to talk to him? What would you say? Do you ask him to do something for you? Do you ask for advice? Do you Do do you have some deep question that you always wondered about? How do you think Jesus would respond to you? Would he instantly start berating you for all that you have done, all your sins? Do his eyes narrow as you approach as he says, oh, it's you? Or does he smile? Does he call you by name? Does he look up, see you, and come towards you and put his arms around you as your head sinks into his shoulder? The Samaritan woman at the well did have the opportunity to talk face-to-face with Jesus, even if at first she didn't realize who it was that she was speaking to. But the moment the strange man sitting by the well said, give me a drink, her life would never be the same again. Last week, we looked at the story of the Pharisee Nicodemus, which is found in the previous chapter in the Gospel of John, John 3. We discussed the significance of the fact that John made sure to tell us that Nicodemus came to Jesus, the light of the world, when it was dark at night. And in the story, the Samaritan woman, John, of of the Samaritan woman, John makes a point of telling us that the woman came to draw water at noontime. We know that if John makes a point of telling us what time it is, then it must be important. So in this case, we need to be aware that it is unusual for a woman to come up to a well at noontime in the heat of the day, to draw water. Most of the women in the village would have come in the cool of the morning. Furthermore, this morning meeting at the well was a time of socialization for all the women, and most would have lingered at the well, laughing and talking with their friends before recurring home. But this woman chose to come at a time when there would be few people, if any, other women present, we get the sense that this woman was not part of the acceptable social network. Perhaps it is better to brave the best when you have to endure, sorry, okay, I'm not sure what she means in this, perhaps it's difficult to be brave when you know that you're going to have to endure the taunts someone else. She goes to the well to avoid the other Samaritan women, and what happens? She is approached by a Jewish man who asks her for some water. It's hard for modern people to understand just how outside the social norm this conversation would be. First of all, as most of us are aware, in ancient times, there was quite a bit of animosity between Jews and Samaritans. Samaria lay between Jerusalem and Galilee. When traveling between Jerusalem and Galilee, even though going through Samaria was a shorter route, many Jews chose to take the longer road and bypass Samaria. Some Samaritans refused to sell food to Jews who did travel through Samaria. Even more shocking... It was not the accepted norm for a man to speak to a woman that he did not know in public. I can see Jesus saying, give me a drink, and the woman looking around as if to ask, are you talking to me? Many women would have remained silent and then they would have immediately turned around and left the well. But the Samaritan woman was not afraid to ask questions. So she replied, kind of tartly, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? We sense that in this case, interacting with a strange man was not unknown to her. And then Jesus says something enigmatic and confusing, which is so typical Of of our Jesus, as we find in the Gospel of John. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Last week, we talked about the misunderstanding between Nicodemus and Jesus, because the same Greek word could mean that was used about born again could also mean born from above likewise jesus talks here about living water as a metaphor for the spiritual fulfillment that can be found in christ the same term in greek however means flowing waters, such as an underground spring or a river or a creek if water moved then in the greek language it was said to be living water i'll say that again In Greek, the term that was translated living water actually literally means, in Greek, flowing water. And any flowing water in a river or a creek would be considered living water, okay? Any water that came from a well or cistern could not be living water. That's why she was confused, Why, Jesus is talking about living or flowing water when they were standing next to a well. Jesus goes on to say, those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And she replies, please give me some of this water so I can stop coming to this blasted well. (laughs) But then Jesus abruptly changes the subject. He asks for her husband, but she has no husband. And Jesus replies, you're right in saying you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. Unfortunately, this poor woman has been getting a bad rap for centuries. Usually from male preachers and theologians, And her story has been used as an argument against divorce and a condemnation of men and women living together. In reality, it is an example of how Jesus is able to look into the soul of a person and see all their pain and shame. Notice that Jesus does not condemn her. We must understand what it would have meant to be divorced five times in a society in ancient times. If a woman was divorced, who would go back to her father's house? Who, uh, Sorry, if a woman was divorced, she would immediately go back to her father's house or perhaps she would go live with a brother. It was extremely difficult for a woman to live on her own. That's why so many prostitutes were divorced women. They were forced to become prostitutes. If a woman had no male relatives, it was either become a prostitute or starve. This woman had been passed from man to man, probably only marrying in order to avoid becoming destitute. When these men were through with her, they tossed her aside. She may have had to endure multiple abusive situations just in order to have food and shelter. And the man who had last taken her in had not even offered her the legal protection of marriage, such as it was. When Jesus says, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband, imagine I imagine him saying it softly with kindness in his voice while her eyes filled with tears that at last there was a man who could see her as a valued daughter of God, and not just as somebody to exploit and use. They talked further about the time when true worshipers would worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the woman finally said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Right at that moment, the disciples came back, and they were shocked that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman. Without saying another word, she then turned and went back into the city. And there the woman who had been too ashamed to go to a well with other women, breathlessly proclaimed Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? John makes a point of telling us that she left the water jar at the well going back to the city. She left her water jar there because she no longer needs it. She now believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and as a result, she has now received the living water, which has become within her a spring of water, gushing out to eternal life. This is who Jesus is, and this is why we should care. Just as all of us experience physical hunger and thirst, so also we experience spiritual hunger and thirst while it's easy to figure out how to satisfy our physical thirst all we need to do is just go and drink something it can be much more difficult to figure out how to satisfy our spiritual thirst in fact some try the physical act of drinking alcohol or ingesting some other addictive substance to satisfy their spiritual thirst Others of us choose equally feeble ways that fail to satisfy us. There are times in our lives, however, when we may be more aware of our spiritual thirst than at other times. There are times in a person's life when he or she is more open to the gospel. These opportunities revolve around times of personal transition, whether they are positive, Or negative transitions. For example, getting married or having a child is a time of transition. (laughs) I remember that real well. (laughs) But so is the loss of one's health or the death of a loved one. Going through transition uh, opens us up to spiritual... uh, Going through transitions opens us up spiritually and creates space in our lives for the Holy Spirit to do things and to stir things up inside of us. It is at these times when we are most likely to sense a longing for something deeper or richer in our lives desire to connect with something larger than ourselves. It is at these times that we experience spiritual thirst. And I can testify that a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will quench spiritual thirst. Now by saying that, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ will quench spiritual thirst, there are two things that I am not saying. I am not saying that there are not other paths that will also quench this thirst. On the other hand, I am also not saying that all spiritual paths are equal or even valid. In fact, I think some are downright dangerous. But I have respect for the major historical religions of the world since I see fruit of the spirit in the lives of many of the adherents in Judaism Islam Hinduism or Buddhism that is i see evidence of love joy peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control which are the famous fruits of the spirit found in galatians 5:22 and 23 So I must acknowledge that the Holy Spirit must somehow be at work in these other religions for such fruit can only come from the Holy Spirit. But I can only testify to the living water found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is the path I know, and I know that it works, not only for me, but for millions. I know this path through theological study but more importantly, through my own relationship with God through Christ and through the testimony of my life journey with Jesus. In Christ, I find God in the flesh. We sometimes say that when we need to expand on an idea that we need to flesh it out. That's what Christ does. Christ fleshes out God and allows us to see the face of God. As one book suggests, Jesus is God with skin on. I know that Christ heals people spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. For in the end, we are integrated beings consisting of heart, soul, mind, and body in a blended harmony. I know that Jesus' teachings and the way that he modeled a life of love and grace is a life I want to emulate. There can be no finer ethic than to love God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And after the Samaritan woman told the townspeople about Jesus, John concludes the story by saying, many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The encounter with Jesus has turned a social outcast into the woman who led her city to faith. Here is a life transformed by the living water offered in Christ. And when we drink of the living water, we will be able to also go out into this city that surrounds us and testify to the ways that Christ has quenched our thirst. Jesus has a way of showing up just when you need him the most. Whether it's at a well of Samaria, a United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas, or even in the wine aisle of the local supermarket, we know that Christ quenches the thirst inside of us. And there's a sea of thirsty people out there Let's leave our water jugs behind and proclaim the living water to a parched and thirsty world. Amen. It's disconcerting
0: when your sermon is better delivered by someone else.
1: <laughs>
0: you just put this whole another spin on my words, and I really appreciate that. I came in about halfway through, and I enjoyed uh, the experience of watching Garth um, preach that sermon. And thank you all for being so patient. Uh, It was, the highway was, all, all lanes were completely closed. And now, will you please stand as you're able to receive our benediction. And please remember that you can always find a recording of our worship service on our website, TUMCD.org, on our Facebook page, or through our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. And my, my, just remind you, if you haven't already liked us on Facebook, please do that. That helps us out quite a bit. And so now receive this benediction. May a fountain of living water arise within, filling you with God's peace and God's wholeness. And then like the Samaritan woman at the well, will you then go out and tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series, Questions, Questions the beginnings of faith. Join us then for the message, Why am I not where I want to be? You can always access our services through our website, TUMCD.org, our Facebook page, or our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. If you like what you're hearing, you can also support our ministry with your gift through our website, TUMCD.org. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.